0: Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale.
1: I'm Tess Holliday, I am a plus-size model, mom, author, and I am thrilled to be sitting here today with one of my dear friends, Far Store, who is the editor of LUK and the person responsible for putting me on the cover of Cosmopolitan UK, and I am thrilled to be sitting down with her today and catching up.
0: And uh, it's so nice to see you, Tess, because it's been, I've certainly not seen you, um, since lockdown um and for those of those those of you who don't know me uh, Tess is absolutely right we met when I was editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan um I'm now editor-in-chief of a different magazine L magazine but my friendship um with you Tess really started because a couple of years ago I think it's about two or three years ago now mm-hmm. I met you at an event and you came along and you you just written your book, I think, at the time, which was about yep. growing up in, um, correct me, is it Alabama or Mississippi? Mississippi, you were. <laughs> yeah. And I think what struck me at the time was here was this person who um, was not the right height to be a model, was not considered the right size to be a model, but also for me, the thing that, that struck me was that you actually made it in the fashion industry, despite coming from a background with zero connections um and, and really kind of zero hope of breaking into what a lot of people see is a very difficult industry and I, I ultimately tess and we can talk about that now the cover that we put you on became a very different conversation in the end it became a conversation about um your body shape and for those of you who haven't seen the image you should go and have a look at it because it, it is tess in a it was kind of like a swimsuit, wasn't it? Kind
1: of. Yeah, it was a bo- like a bodysuit, but yes, essentially a, a swimsuit.
0: Yes. What was interesting was on the day, you know, you're totally comfortable with your body. It was the best image, and we didn't really think anything about it. We put it on the cover, no. and we thought—I personally thought—the conversation was going to be about what it's like to be an outsider breaking into fashion, and of course, it then became a conversation about your size. But can you? just talk to people about what it's like really coming from kind of a background like yours and then trying to make it into this industry,
1: which seems so out of reach. I had no idea what I was doing. No one had done what I had done before on the scale that I had. And so I had no, I had no guideline. I, the road, was not even paved. I think that there was probably a little bit of dirt on my road that I was walking down. And I, I just, I don't know, maybe I always joke that it was, you know, that it was delusion that got me here, but it's not. And I know I need to give myself a bit more credit, but I really relied on the fact that I love people. I love connecting with people Um, I leaned very heavily on my personality and the fact that I don't take no for an answer and, um, you know, I don't want to leave the rest up to the universe because I worked really hard, but you know, when I look back and you're saying all of that stuff, I actually don't know how I got here. I just know that I saw something bigger than me and I, I kept going towards that and I didn't know what that was until I was very deep into my career. It's almost like, I don't want to say that it was my calling, but I felt very led to do what I was doing because I didn't see anyone else doing it. And because I had had so many people tell me that that wasn't possible, I couldn't understand why it wasn't possible. It never occurred to me that what I was trying to do hadn't been done before. And um, I'm really grateful that I listened. I listened to that voice. But it, it really took a lot of energy on my end to not give up when people were telling me that I was absolutely crazy.
0: I think you and I I mean, we have very, very different backgrounds. But certainly for me I'm an outsider in a very different way to you which is you mm-hmm. know I moved from Manchester down to London always wanted to work in fashion I mean it was my dream I loved fashion I was obsessed with it from like mm-hmm. 13 all through my teenage years but it um I don't know it just looked like another world and I remember when I moved down somebody said to me and and I have to say they were being very helpful And I never want to demonise this person because I think they were really trying to be helpful at the time. This is back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm. They were like, you know, the fashion, if you want to get into fashion journalism, it's going to be slightly difficult for you because you don't sound the right way. It's a very polished, it's a very glossy world. And um, for me, I I chose a different path in the end. I was like, well, do you know what? I feel more comfortable around writers. I'm going to just be the best journalist I can possibly be. And I kind of gave up on fashion. And so it's funny in a way now that after 22 years as a journalist, I've now ended up editing a fashion magazine. Um, But I don't know about you. I always say that. I was saying to someone the other day, I think if I personally had entered high fashion when I was in my early 20s, I wonder if I would have felt at that point in my life the necessity to change my accent to to behave a certain way. Um, You know, I don't know about you, Tess, but I find that I love the fashion world and being coming at it as an older person, I find it really nurturing, really a lot of great people in it. But there's also a lot of people who have, have, who are kind of myth makers. They've changed who they were in the beginning in order to fit in. And and, I
1: don't know, do you see that? I do. Also, I think that when you were talking, I was listening to you because when when I met you, I was so, I was so nervous initially to meet you. And then I met you and I felt like I had known you forever. And I know I'm probably not the only person that say, that has felt that way. Um, then you said about the myth makers and that really got me thinking because that's so accurate. And the reason I touch on your character and, and your personality and is because in fashion and because of my height and size still to this day, even though I've had massive success globally, I have never really done anything high fashion and I might never. And I understand that that might not be my path. And... Tess, can you just tell people listening
0: uh, what height you are as well?
1: Yeah, so think- I, am, I am five foot five and I'm a UK 26. So, and I'm also heavily tattooed. And I also have a really big mouth, which not everyone likes in fashion. Um, I have a lot of my own opinions that I feel very strongly about. And, um, you know, for me, high fashion was always a goal. You know, even if you would have asked me a year ago, I probably would have said the same thing. And now, you know, there you meet a lot of people in the fashion industry and there are a lot of amazing people and then there are a lot of people that, are not who they say they are. And you have to really have integrity and, and so, yeah, you have to be self-assured and know who you are and know, know, no. I mean, I, we don't have it all figured out. I clearly don't, but I had a very good sense of who I was and what I didn't want and, and who I wanted to be surrounded around. And it's very hard to maintain integrity in an industry that rewards people not maintaining their integrity, um, which is part of what I admire about you so much.
0: Have you ever had an example that you can share with people of
1: when you kind of walked away and went, you know what, this isn't for me? I mean, I've had several instances with brands wanting to Book me as the only plus size model, you know, on a campaign. And for me, I had to I had to weigh whether or not it was worth me being like the token plus size person as opposed to not having any representation at all. And um, there there was one instance where a brand was offering me a substantial amount of money more than I had been paid at that time. But it wasn't something that I believed in. It wasn't something that felt good in. And I had to walk away from it. And and literally everyone in my life, including my former agent, uh, was very unhappy with me. And then right after that brand got in trouble for a lot of things that and it's just like, you know, I felt it. I felt it in my core. I felt that it wasn't right for me. And I listened to that. And had I not listened to that, I could have very easily gotten... Caught up in something that, you know, wasn't great. So, um, I have always listened to my gut and my intuition and trusted myself, which, like I said, is not easy through all of this. I mean, I've got, I've got about ten years on you. How old are you now? I will be thirty-six this year.
0: So I've got quite a few years ahead of you, almost ten years, but. Um... I don't know how you feel, but I feel like there has been a big change. And certainly one of the things, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, that I was drawn to about you was that you came from a different place. And I've always had this feeling that sometimes those that have kind of tread the furthest journey, that those that have come the furthest sometimes have the most to give. And one of the things we're talking about on Elle a lot at the moment, and we just did a September issue, And even though it was lockdown, when I first joined L, I remember saying to the team, what I want to do is I want to open up the luxury world to those from a different Mm. uh, type of background. You know, I mean, you all know better than anyone, Tess, that this world, not just fashion, but journalism, it's a lot about the networks and it's a lot about being in the right place. Like you had to move to L.A., I moved down to London. And I just... I guess I've always probably because I'm from Manchester originally, I've always just had this feeling that a lot of the talent is out there, but it's not enough sometimes to just go, Hey, we're opening our doors. Come on down. You have to go and, and find them. Um, so, so in September we did, um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the we social did big, mobility issue. Yeah. We, we, we basically yeah. said, look, we want to get kids working mm-hmm. on our September issue but we don't want the kids that schools Mm. usually offer because usually you'll go to schools and go, look, we're looking for 12 kids. Um, um, And what happens is usually you'll get given the shiny, brilliant clubbable kid who always gets put forward for everything. And and of course, and I'm going to come on to you in a minute because I know that wasn't you, but sometimes those kids who have that real creative spark, they're the kids that the teacher has to look to their potential rather than actually what they have. And I just wondered with you, given, like, your your background, and I'm not saying anything you've not written about in the book, like, you had a really tough background. Um, and maybe you can talk about, you can just explain to people a little bit about that. Who was the person that kind of reached out and said, look, there, there are these opportunities out there. I know, obviously, you had to tread the path yourself.
1: but But who was it that kind of said, look, there's this world when I was pursuing my career in fashion and had no idea what I was doing because I'm from, I literally lived in a cow pasture in, in a trailer in my grandparents' backyard in Mississippi. I had no idea, you know, my, my scope of fashion was, you know, what I saw in, you know, little magazines in Mississippi. I didn't read folk or any, you know, L anything growing up. I read, I didn't look at fashion magazines until much later in my life. And, you know, my mom who I talked about a lot had always told me, you know, even though she had no idea that I would have reached the level that I did, but she would always tell me, you know, there's a big world out there. You can do anything that you want to do. And I blindly followed that. But when I signed to my first agent, I was navigating the fashion world and trying to figure out who I was. And I wanted to delve into high fashion. And I remember my agent at the time had, you know, sent me an email kind of like, you know, it's at this, I think it was January, 2018. And she was like, Hey, you know, what are your goals for this year? What do you want to accomplish? And I said, listen, I would like to do high fashion. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. And, um, I'll never forget. She emailed me and she responded and said, well, they don't make your size. So we're going to have to kind of put that on the back burner. That's not possible, but we could do this and we could do this. And I fired her and then I met you. And then my life, the trajectory of my life changed. Um, It wasn't just being on the cover of Cosmo, but it was everything that that meant it was, you know, the fashion industry needs validation. (laughs) They need like that stamp. And I think people seeing me on it gave them, you know, they were kind of like, okay. And then they started paying attention to me and it opened doors for me that prior I was like kicking and screaming at the doors. And then all of a sudden the doors were just open, but it's because I didn't listen to you know, what people were telling me that, you know, that that people had predetermined my path and I knew that my path looked a lot different.
0: And I, I think, I mean, I certainly have found in the couple of years that I've known you and, and the few years that I've been at L, that it definitely feels, um, I mean, it's too early to say, but it feels like there are changes happening that maybe sort of 10-15 years ago would never have been possible. Um, you know, even and I know so much more work needs to be done on Mm. our perception of what makes a model. Um, you know, we call it curve models, but of course, as you and I know, a curve model can sometimes be somebody who's a size eight who's got uh, who's got a a chest. It's the those lines um they they change very much. But I, I do think And I feel I feel really strongly about this, that there is there are a lot of people um, in positions of power now who really do want to make a change. It's definitely too early to say, because, of course, the whole world at the moment is kind of agitated and says, change, change. And I'm always interested in that's great. But in five years time, let's see if if any real change has happened.
1: You know, I was actually I was going to talk about uh, change in the industry with you because you um you know you've done so much to help shift things just by paving your own way and not listening to people which obviously i identify with but for me you know i get asked nearly every day what changes am i seeing in the industry what changes have i seen and you know um when when the majority of of curve models that we're seeing are size 8 with larger chests and very toned bodies um, and that's still being presented to us as diverse. It is it is somewhat hard and discouraging when I've been doing this for, you know, a little over a decade. And I realize that the change that everyone is talking about may be on the horizon, but we're still not there. I know that something is happening, but I can't say for sure when that will happen, um, but I try not to let it discourage me too much. but I do feel um, I do feel like it's going to take a, a collective of people and an overhaul of the industry and things have already changed massively internally but I think that there are a lot of people still in power that don't really want things to change. I think that there's still a lot that has to be done in order for things to truly, change to be inclusive and diverse, diverse for everybody.
0: I think that one of the, the, one of the powerful things that fashion certainly has is, and I found this not just with your cover, but we did a cover on Elle uh, a couple of months ago now. Um, Very similar situation to you, which was, we, um, we had two women who had just recently got married. It was a very, very lovely image. It was two women who were madly in love and, It was just me, as these things often are in magazines, it was me and my creative director and and, and a few people from my team. And we said, it's interesting, isn't it? When you think about magazine covers, you often see heterosexual couples together. um, And, and, you know, you see it all the time, but it's weird. You never see same-sex couples on on a cover. And and particularly for me, I, I started to think about, certainly in high fashion, um, I could think of a couple but they weren't real couples actually it was it was a stage kiss and so like well let let's just you know let's let's take the photograph let's see what it's like and obviously very similar to you we just thought it would be a a really lovely wonderful very warm cover but again it it didn't blow out in the way that your cover did in that it became a very contentious conversation your cover but but this one actually became a whole other talking point, which was about finally this has happened. But for most people, certainly that I know working in fashion and, and, and certainly our circles, it just didn't seem a big deal. And I suppose the point is never underestimate the power of an image to ignite conversation. Maybe it doesn't ignite the conversation in the social circle you are in. But what it might do is ignite a conversation that's going on in another part of the country. Um, and, and I think, I mean, it's very different. Well, it's similar. You, you make images as a model. And my job is to conceive of images. And I think probably you and I both think about images in the same way, which is a beautiful image is a beautiful image. But a powerful image is an image which ignite conversation Mm -hmm. and and that conversation I always think and I know we've spoken about this that conversation should people don't have to agree on it and 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 that's the whole point of life isn't it is that you don't get to agree on things and actually life would be kind of boring if everybody felt felt the same way about stuff but the point is you put the image there and you let people have a discussion And, and the best thing I don't know if you remember this test but with your cover we had you would have had it for sure and then I started to get some quite horrific trolling but if you left them I know you sometimes answer back I took the view of I'm going to leave them and see what happens and of course what happened was you yes. had these trolls but then other people would come yes. to your defense and then what happened is a a whole conversation and it didn't always end in the way you would hope but but they had had the conversation and I think I think fashion which is a world of surface and image, actually it's far, it has the power to be far more than that. I mean, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, we, we have seen fashion depicted in a lot of different mediums uh, as vapid and as soulless and whatever other word that they can attach to it. But the reality is far from that. The fashion industry I believe can be whatever people want it to be. But for me personally, in my experiences, I have never been more welcomed and felt more myself in the world of fashion because there's so many creatives. There's so many people just trying to figure out who they are and what they're doing. And we're all collectively there for the same reason, because we love fashion because you know, it sparks something in us. And for me, it's, you know, even though I didn't grow up in it, I I came from nothing. It has evolved into something that consumes my life, but in, in a good way and in a way that I love. And I also think that we have been set up to think that Disagreeing with each other is bad and that there's something wrong with that. When in reality, uh, some of my greatest realizations for myself within the fashion industry have been having conversations and having interactions with folks that I probably would have never encountered, that we do have different viewpoints. We're from completely different worlds and upbringings but collectively we can find something that we both believe in and that we feel good in and that we're working towards because it's it's not what people think it is, and I do believe that there are genuine people that care. Very quickly, I suppose what I want to know is,
0: because obviously, Tess, you have used w- what this generation have that we didn't have. You obviously have it, but you're 36 now is instagram and social media when we were growing up there was none of that and actually making connections i would say in a way if you're really smart about it i mean i don't know about you i want to find out actually what you do but i certainly have always encouraged people probably to my detriment whenever i do talks i say to people don't email me because i get a thousand emails every day well they'll get a thousand emails that's a lie get about 100 emails every day (laughs) But if you DM me, I get nothing exciting in my my DMs. I'm like, if you DM me, you're going to cut through all the noise. And I wondered with you, I know you have made friends through Instagram. Like, has any, what could you say to this generation, basically, how to use their social media to kind of break into the world of fashion?
1: not not to be afraid of social media. Social media is literally a tool and it can be used for whatever you need it to be used for. I mean, I never thought that you were going to slide in my DMs asking me to be on the cover of Cosmo. So, yeah, you DM'd me on Instagram and then I thought that it was a joke and then I had a cry and then here we are now. I, you know, I think that so many people are afraid to ask for what they want and you know, in order to spearhead these changes, sometimes you have to do literally what you did. But I mean, you, yours was obviously from a different place, but you know, there's, there's a certain obviously tact that someone would go through in doing something like that. But I am literally here because of social media and because I just kept asking and, and showing up and putting the work in and social media gave me a tool to be able to connect with people like you who I would have never really been invited into the room before prior. Um, so I think that it's a wonderful tool people just can't be afraid of it. And, and also just using social media in a responsible and ethical way as well.
0: Yeah. And I I always say to people, if you enjoy something, and I mean, most people at the end of the day, we all like having our ego strokes. If you see something you like in L, or if you see work of yours that you like, or a campaign you've done, tag them, but, 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 but be consistent. It's amazing, isn't it? those voices and those faces that you get to know after a while um I I think you just have to be persistent with it and look nothing may may happen at the time but usually I think you're right you put it out there it's like that book isn't it I've never actually read it but I believe that book The Secret is Mm -hmm. about that but but you put it out there and usually usually something comes back maybe not in the way you expected but usually you know something will come your way and so Absolutely. I guess it's that it's not afraid of being a little bit pushy. Yeah.
1: And I also think it's not being afraid of your own self, like not allowing yourself to get in the way because I did that for so long. And once I got out of my own way and got out of my own head, which as you've experienced from this chat, I'm still working on, it's a lifelong struggle, but you have to get out of your own way and you have to trust yourself and your purpose. And, you know, as cliche as that sounds, it is true because I, you know, there's no reason why I should be sitting here, your friend from the background that I am, but, you know, I am and, and I would do it all over again. I, I think it's probably the the kind of
0: sign off of this podcast, isn't it? It's that without it sounding like a terrible cliche, but some people are often just afraid of acknowledging what they want because once they know what they want and they don't get it straight away, they feel that they failed. And so people just keep their options open, Going well, I might do this and I might do that. And I always say to people, decide what you want and go for it. And it doesn't mean that all the other opportunities disappear. But what it means is, is that you go after what you want, you be, you get to the top and then all the other opportunities come back to you. You never lose anything. I, I often say that to um to younger women that that I, I I've worked with you know and I've been that person which is well I might want to do a podcast and I might want to be a writer and I might want to be do this and it's like the best thing actually the most useful thing I've always said to people is decide what you want to do and go after it and then when you get to top, oh, the podcast will come and the, all the other stuff will come but you never I think people are so afraid of letting opportunities go but actually it's like with you you know i know that you could have gone you know tv you know you more books like anything but actually you went actually modeling is for me and this is what i'm going to do and and you know you've made a massive success of it and i i'm really look i'm really glad that our paths collided as well um it's like you said you may come from different places but actually i think what fashion does is you find you find a place actually where you both feel totally comfortable and i think you know, for us we started live talking about fashion but it became a, a greater friendship about much more but but in many ways fashion brought us together i think i think it's probably fair to say
1: absolutely and i feel i feel immensely grateful to share space with with you and so many other folks that didn't really feel like they belonged and had to really fight to be where we are. And when you fight for so long and you finally get to that place, there's nothing like it and you're not done. The fighting doesn't stop once you get there. It's a constant, especially when you're trying to change things, the fight is constant and that has to be something that you're prepared for. But when you have good people in your corner, and you you have the conviction of what you're doing it's it makes it worth it and i also get to just be really well dressed while i while i change things so that's great too
0: (laughs) thank you so much it's so good chatting to you it's been so long but it it never feels like it's been any time at all and and um it's so great to be able to to talk to you again
1: It's nice to talk to you as well. And I can't wait to hug you in person after all of this.
0: Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week.